That's insane. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. Hey, Doug. I got a feeling. You feeling lucky? Oh, I'm feeling lucky. I'm telling you, I cannot explain it. I have no evidence. I'm willing to be wrong. In fact, I have a 99% chance <laughs> of being wrong. But I got a feeling that the Hornets are getting Zion. I'm feeling good, Doug. I want Zion. I want him here. I want him in the Queen City. I want Zion to be in the purple and teal. Wouldn't he look good in that jersey? Oh, he would look so good. I want to do an emergency podcast right after. Where we just praise how Zion looks. Not even how he plays. I'm just going to yell. I'm literally, the the emergency podcast, uh, when the Hornets get Zion in the number one pick, will just be me yelling Zion. It's scheduled. It's not even an emergency because I feel like there's a little bit of, that's that include spontaneity right we don't know that's going to happen it is scheduled we are going to do a quote-unquote emergency podcast so stick around your phones make sure you got the podcast app opened up whatever podcast app you use to listen to us make sure you're checking it because when zion when you see that the card for number 12 does not reveal the charlotte hornets logo you can start to feel a little bit better, and then you can expect this emergency pod to drop. Locked on Zion! It's lottery night, baby. I'm excited. Doug's excited. It's one of the few times that we can actually feel some kind of hope regarding the NBA draft process because we know in the present of the draft, when it actually is being revealed, we understand that the luck does usually run out. Even afterwards, the draft picks that actually grow arms and legs and go out there and play on the basketball court. Usually that doesn't work out, but we get our one day. We get our time in between when the regular season ends and when lottery night actually comes about. And usually we start to focus our attention. It seems like a lot of other Hornets fans are feeling good. Hopefully that's a good sign. Lottery night is tonight. Coach Borrego will be present. Mitch Kupchak back in the ping pong ball throne room to make sure that there's nothing fishy going on. No, I want fishy. I want some mischief. Do what you got to do, Kupchak. For us, hopefully the New York Knicks don't have anything going on to favor them. But Mitch Kupchak will make sure that's not going to happen. To go over the odds again, the Hornets hold a 4.8% chance of a top four pick and a 1% chance at the number one overall pick. I like the 5% chance, roughly, of getting in the top four. That would be nice. Hopefully, we can get a top three pick. I think we talked about Zion having his own tier. John Morant, R.J. Barrett having their tier. They're in the same one. And then everybody else after that, it's a bunch of different com- combinations on, you know, whether it's Kobe White, DeAndre Hunter, whoever you want to put in tier four, tier five, whatever. It's tier one and tier two with the three players and Zion being at the top. I want some impishness. I want some uh, misbehavior. I want some friskiness. I want some rascality. I want some James Barogery. We talked to James Borrego. Not Barogery. We did talk to James Borrego earlier today on the wake-up call. He will represent the Hornets in Chicago at the lottery tonight. He said he's got his good luck charms. He's got some things his kids gave him, some like Hornets things. I I don't know if he had a bobblehead or not. I just know that he has his good luck charms ready and available for tonight. And we asked him 
what he wants to add to the Hornets roster. And here's what he had to say. Well, I think, you know, throughout this season, we've, we've talked about improving our defense. Uh, one thing, one area that we got to improve is defensively our toughness, our length, and our athleticism at the rim. Uh, we really got to improve our interior defense. And we're going to do that next year. You know, our scheme will be tighter. We'll be a much better uh, team defensively. But we're looking to add rim protection, uh, physicality to our team. Um, and we'll do that through the draft, through free agency. Uh, that's obviously one area we got to look at. The second area is, is a secondary playmaker, and uh, obviously Kemba's our number one playmaker. Um, you know, we, we understand he's a free agent, but you know, as as we build this this uh, this team and we want to move forward uh, as an organization, you got to have playmakers, and, and, and you're seeing that throughout the the NBA playoffs right now. Most teams in general have one, two, three playmakers. I think you could look at that Philly roster; they have four playmakers on the floor at one time. You know, Kyle Lowry's out there, uh, Kawhi Leonard's out there. Um, you have multiple guys on that roster that can go make plays. And that's what we're trying to find here, and we're trying to grow and, and build. So we need secondary playmakers, guys that can go make plays for others, guys that can get to the rim, put pressure on the rim. So, um, you know, to answer your question, we need interior presence, but we also need other guys that, that can handle the ball and make plays for others on the perimeter. Oh, so Zion. Zion would fit that bill. Like he's just talking. Like if you go back and listen to that soundbite again, he's just talking about Zion. We need Zion. Yeah, it, Zion would be a primary playmaker. That would be nice to have. Yeah, have him be the guy. Hell, just get everybody else. To, who who cares? Get a whole bunch of other second round picks in there with Zion, and we'll go at it. We'll go to battle here in Charlotte. No, I mean Zion would be a franchise changer, both on the court and off the court. Because I mean, talk about the attention the national attention that would be focused on this franchise if all of a sudden they end up with Zion. If, if by some outlandish possibility, I guess that they don't get Zion Williamson, which is absurd to even think about, but let's just say hypothetically they don't get the number one overall pick. Okay. They don't select Zion Williamson. Not going to happen. We'll just go down this road for the hell of it. He did say they want an interior presence first. Then he did say secondary playmaking. I kind of went to the interior presence being physical trying to protect the rim and a couple of guys that come to mind immediately jackson hayes who we've talked about we got to talk with westcott eberts is that right that's correct uh yesterday how could you, how could you forget that name i can't um, i'm gonna name my kid that as well and we will talk to uh donald wine today about some of the duke guys including zion williamson rj barrett and cam reddish but jackson hayes came to mind and Brandon Clark came to mind, and we haven't mentioned him a ton. I think we mentioned him maybe once or something like that. I started to dive into a little bit of the film work here as I had put my Adrian, maybe not Adrian Wojnarowski, but I guess what, Mike Schmitz, Jonathan, is it Gavoni? I think so. Both of those guys. I've tried to. Jeff Goodman. Jeff Goodman. Any NBA draft expert and any NBA draft pundit, I've tried to. Formerly Chad Ford. Tried to find a lot of those guys within myself. And I really like both of them, Jackson Hayes or Brandon Clark. And I don't know who I would choose if it came down to both of them. Brandon Clark, man, like that guy is explosive. The only thing you don't like about him is his size. I, I think there there might even be a little bit of potential for him to hit some shots from outside. Jackson just he doesn't have that right. Like he's just somebody that's really physical, runs the floor pretty well. Yeah, uh, he's he's athletic as hell. He will swat the hell out of your shot. But he did average, I think, one less block per game than Brandon Clark did. Jackson Hayes, close to seven feet. Brandon Clark sitting at about six eight, six nine. 
little Mark Spears, a little Fran Fraschella, a little Jay Billis. Both of those guys in Hayes and Clark, I would really like. Clark, I don't know why. I just Clark was one of my favorite guys to watch all season. I just think he's a beast. He is two and a half years older than Hayes, which I wonder how much that comes into play. But Brandon Clark to me, man, I, I just the more I watch him, I like Hayes a lot. Like if they were to select him, I, I really like him as a prospect. For some reason, Brandon Clark, just watching him play, man, he he is he is fun, explosive. He gets out of the floor at an insane rate. It's so quick. There was a play against Florida State where I didn't think there was going to be any shot that he grabbed the rebound, let alone have a put-back dunk. But it was a fast break, and he just explodes out of the floor and slams it home after one of his other guys missed a layup. He's long. I don't know the wingspan. I don't know if they have a measurement for that yet, but he does look long. He is only 6'8", which is the problem, but he looks like he can move pretty well. Give me Brandon Clark. How do you look long? Well, his arms. You don't think his arms look long? I don't know. They little look longer. Sam, little Sam Mick. Well, Jalen Rose. <laughs> I think they look long. I don't know. Maybe I'm just falling in love with Brandon Clark, and I'll just say anything good about him. But I do like Brandon Clark a lot. Those are the two guys, though, Doug, right? Like, if you want a physical presence inside, if you're looking to upgrade at the five position or at somebody that's going to be really the tallest basketball player, the guy that's going to defend the post a whole lot, and if you're looking at some guys like that, I feel like Brandon Clark and Jackson Hayes come the most to mind in that 12 area, maybe outside of a bowl bowl who does seem to be falling. I don't know how you feel about a bowl bowl in this situation, but it seems like Clark and Hayes, the two taller guys that would make some sense. Totally. I mean, I think both of those guys though are going to need years. They're not going to be instant contributors, but if that's the kind of thing that you're looking for, you know, in the future for this Hornets organization, then yeah, you can get those guys. And see, I think Clark actually contributes a little bit earlier than what Hayes does. And I'm with you. I mean, that's, and that's another thing, right? If you think he's going to take a little bit longer then maybe Clark isn't the guy because he's already 22 years old. He's going to be 23 when the season starts. Hayes is going to be 19 when the season starts. In fact, I think Hayes' birthday is just like in a couple of weeks. But I, I think both of those guys would be good, and we'll see who they select. Although it's all hypothetical anyway, they're going to select Zion. We appreciate you listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. We've got Donald Wine of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. He's coming up in a little bit. Are you in your car a lot, driving to work, driving the kids around? If you have a smart device in your car, and more and more of you do now, tell your smart device to play Lockdown Hornets. Don't fumble around with your phone and Bluetooth. Just say play Lockdown Hornets and make drive time LOH time. We'll be back with more draft talk, more lottery talk after the break. This is Locked on Hornets. Did we like the Marco Bellinelli experiment here no. in Charlotte? Or are we glad that he's kind of gone? I, I, I'm one of those that's kind of glad he's I'm gone. Not, one I'm of the too. only players that has blocked Locked on Hornets on Twitter. Did he block us? <laughs> yeah. He blocked us. I, did, what, Some, did, for did something we hate you on him? Did, did we come at him for something? Or? So I may have said, and I didn't at him or anything like that, but I may have said that his defense on LeBron James at one point resembled that of a potted plant. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast.
Thanks again for joining us on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Time now for another draft preview. In honor of lottery night, we have three lottery prospects rolled into one today. It's the Duke Lottery Trifecta, Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, and Cam Reddish. Doug spoke with Donald Wine of the Duke Basketball Report podcast, and we've split this up into two parts. In part one, they discuss one word to describe each prospect, the thing you aren't noticing about Zion, and the case for Cam Reddish. Again, we will have the evaluation for R.J. Barrett as well. So once again, here's Donald Wine on the Duke trifecta so I thought we'd get started uh, Donald by going with one word for each of these prospects and then we'll take each of the prospects kind of one at a time so if you can kind of give me one word for each of these prospects that sums up why a team would want to invest in them okay yeah well for uh let's start from the bottom we'll say cam for cam Reddish, I would probably go assassin um, that, that's we can expand on these a little bit. Yeah, uh, R.J. Totally. Barrett, dynamic, and Zion, legendary. Okay, let's start with Cam Reddish because I'm so intrigued by that. Why? Why do you pick Assassin for him? Because he has that tendency, uh, and you saw it at times throughout the year. He has the ability to kill teams with the, with the long ball. And, and when he was recruited to Duke, he was supposed to come in as that guy who was going to be our long, our, our deep shot specialist uh, that didn't pan out as much this year, but there were definitely times, notably against Louisville, uh, against Florida State, and then again in the ACC tournament where he just went lights out and, and had that killer instinct at the end and was an assassin. He, he, took, the, he took the shots that other guys didn't want to take and, and made them. So I, I think with him, he, if he can improve and become more consistent as a three-point specialist, he's going to be an incredible player in the NBA because he's going to have that he already has that instinct to go after shots. He has that instinct to close out games. And he has the, the poise and the coolness to hit shots when it matters, especially when you know buzzer beaters or, or, or when the shot clock's running down late in the game. You want that kind of guy on your team. He's also, though, being dinged right now for kind of disappearing in games this past season. Is that fair? Is that what you saw? Does he have the sort of other side, side of the assassin word, which is the sort of tendency to disappear? Yeah, and he did at times, but I mean, let's be honest. When you have guys like Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett in your team, everyone disappears at times during the year. But I think when it comes to him, he had uh, there were definitely times where he went on cold streaks. And when he went on those cold streaks, he wasn't able to get out of them. Uh, and that was part of the learning process for him this year. When he gets down and he gets in the slump, and that's going to happen in the NBA for him at times, when that happens, he needs to be able to figure out a way to get out of it, whether it be through driving to the lane, uh, he he could do so many things so well, but when one thing goes, you know, kaput, he needs to be able to pick up, step it up on the on the other areas. Notably, his defense was very good, uh, and, and he was he was a defensive presence for us throughout most of the year. Uh, his three point shot, if it's streaky, he needs to be able to, you know, know that he can go to the rack. He can he can make free throws. He can get to the line, and he can finish strong at the hole. And again, that defense is going to keep him on the floor. So. While I say he, I don't think the word disappear is the is the best word to describe it. There were times where, because of his cold streak, uh, he wasn't relied on as an offensive presence. And, and he wasn't the only uh, Duke prospect to suffer uh, from beyond the arc last year. R.J. Barrett shot 30.8% from three, 66.5% from the free throw line. Should any team uh, in that top three uh, basically uh, get worried about his shooting numbers or, or should that not concern them? It shouldn't concern him because that's not his game and that's not what he was asked to do. 
I, I think when it comes to the three ball, yeah, he, he was good enough that he could hit a couple threes and keep defenses spread out. And that's what really allowed him to do what his game is, which is go to the rack and finish strong. He can create just from anywhere on the court. And he was very, when I said the word dynamic, he was dynamic in that aspect. He can create shots like unlike anybody that we've seen in a long time uh, in college basketball. And that his game is probably, you know, of the three, probably the best suited to translate directly to the NBA. But he had to work very hard last year on his three-point shot. He wasn't called on to shoot a lot of threes. And, and I think that's probably where his shooting uh, it relies. But at the free throw line, he can definitely improve. He's got to be an 80% free throw shooter. And I think he has the tools to do that. It just takes practice and a lot of gym work, which he will get in the NBA. So you went with legendary for Zion Williamson. And I think a lot of scouts and a lot of fans that got a chance to watch him last year would probably agree with you. Um, A lot of focus on his body, his size, and his strength. Uh, But if you're just obsessed with his measurables, what are you missing about Zion's game? His motor is the best motor I have ever seen from any basketball player. And I don't say that lightly. I've watched a lot of basketball in my life on all levels. His motor is something worth watching. He always is going, going, going. And it doesn't matter how big he is. I mean, he's 285. Next year in the NBA, if he maintains that size, he will be the second heaviest player in the NBA. But you would not know that from him on the court. He is flying all over the place on offense, on defense. Uh, I even say on special teams, which is basically was Duke's transition last year. Uh, he is the real deal. And he's, he's one of those guys that loves learning. He loves improving. He said every game that he would get some note from coach or some from one of the coaching staff talking about what he could do better out there. And he would go and do it. And I think that challenge that uh, you want a guy who wants to be challenged like that because he's already this great. And if he's a guy who can learn and is coachable, you, I mean, just imagine how good his trajectory is going to be and how great he's going to be down the line. I'm interested in how RJ Barrett and Cam Reddish adjusted to playing without Zion Williamson, because depending on where they're drafted, you know, RJ and Cam might find themselves in a situation where they will get a lot of attempts, they will get a lot of usage, or, you know, if you're Cam and you you fall a few places, you might find yourself on a late lottery team uh, that that does have some uh, a few players that will get more possession. So, talk to me about how RJ and Cam adjusted to to not having Zion on the floor versus how they played when when he was uh, uh, the main attraction. Uh, so, for RJ's case, I'll I'll start with this. There was you know th- three or four games this year uh, where Duke lost a starter in the first two minutes of that basketball game, and that adjustment is difficult for everyone. And I think that was where. Duke suffered a lot. We, we had a lot of injuries and those guys weren't able to quickly adapt to that. But when they were able to prepare and have a game plan, RJ Barrett is a guy who can go out and get you 30 points. Uh, and, and Cam has done that at times too. I think he had one game this year. He had 28, uh, was shooting the ball really well. He was in the 20s for most of the year. And then there's a couple games, like we said, where his, his uh, shooting failed him and he was you know in the teens. But I think when it comes to, especially RJ, RJ is going to have that that mentality that he can go out and change a basketball game by having the ball in his hands. And he's probably going to go, I would say in the top three, he's not going to be, he's not going to be number one. That's probably going to be Zion. Uh, And then we're talking about either him or John Morant for that two position, depending on who ends up getting it on Tuesday night. So he's going to be that guy that a franchise is going to give the ball and say, this is your show. We're going to give you 
the opportunity to lead this franchise. Whereas Cam is going to have that opportunity. Like you said, he's going to be further down. I know uh, that the Hornets are, you know, right now, if everything was to go as expected, they'd be what the 10th or 11th or 12th spot. That's probably where he could land. And you could find where he could be the final piece of a team that's trying to get back into the playoffs and try, especially in the East, the, the, the Hornets are, you know, maybe a couple of games away from being in the middle of the pack in, in the East. Um, and then a couple more games after that, they're in the top or half. Uh, so I, I think when it comes to Cam, he will have that opportunity to get a lot of shots, but also he's going to have probably be on a team where there's somebody else there to help defray the pressure uh, of being, uh, being the franchise leader. And that might help him as well. Yeah, what's the upside play for for Cam Reddish? Like, what's the what's the argument uh, if you are the Hornets and you don't get the top three pick, you land at twelve? What's the argument to take him uh, over, you know, a Jackson Hayes or a Darius Garland? Who those are two players, high risk but possibly high reward. What's the upside play for Cam? Well, that's a good question, and I think the the answer is, you know, when it comes to the Hornets, I. I know that I, I I didn't watch a lot of Hornets games this year, but you can't help but notice that Kemba Walker was was the guy. He was the star. Uh, and if he's around next year, I think that is going to still happen. But he's going to need another guy that's going to be able to shoot the ball. He's going to need a guy that's going to be uh, can guard a two, can guard a three, can guard a four on defense. And Cam can do all of that. Jackson Hayes, uh, you probably talk about like Bruno Ferran- Fernando from Maryland. Um, those are bigger guys that might fit in as far as. Uh, getting a lot of size and in, in, in the paint, which is what the Hornets were lacking at times last year. But I think in the end, you're going to want a guy that can shoot the ball because that's kind of how the NBA is moving towards this year. And also the the defensive side where you can be versatile and guard anybody because now teams are calling on guys to guard on multiple players uh, on a particular, you know, on a particular team on a, any given night. So I think that's Cam Reddish. And I think that's probably why if he's following the, you know, 12 or 11 or wherever the Hornets end up, they should take a really hard, hard long look at him. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. The one draft pick you hit on was Kimba Walker, and you, you drafted Bismack Biamba before him. Oh! You got it right the second time, which is great. I am too smart. SMRT. But you drafted Biombo before Kimba Walker. <laughs> so, again, you almost messed that one up as well. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Please listen carefully. Thanks to Donald Wine once again of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We got one other segment with him coming up in just a little bit. Zion Williamson being legendary certainly fits that bill. Amazing to watch him. Can't wait till he plays with the Charlotte Hornets. RJ Barrett and Cam Reddish, you got some evaluations with them too. Here's the second part of that interview with Doug Branson and of course Donald Wine of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. All right, so if the ping pong balls do go the Hornets' way, say they land that second pick, they don't land the the number one overall pick because that's obviously going to be Zion. I think mm-hmm. we're, I think most people are in agreement there. But give me the argument to take R.J. Barrett over uh, Ja Morant, over the the pure scoring and playmaking of Ja Morant. Give me the R.J. Barrett argument. So I am not going to argue that. Uh, R.J. Barrett should be picked over Ja Morant or vice versa because both of them are you know, world-class talents. John Morant is incredible, uh, and, and there is nothing that you can't say about the kid because he lit up college basketball last year. Having said that, here's why I would take R.J. Barrett. He's a taller guy. He can still shoot. He can, he can stretch a guy uh, all, the way out to the, all the way out to about 30 feet, but he can also take it to the rack strong and create shots. 
And in the NBA, that is something that creativity, uh, he has that. And, and that's something that the NBA always, always craves. And, and teams want a guy who can create and also can hit the ball and hit the long shot and just say, you know what, I'm going to go out and get 30 points because that's what this NBA, this new NBA is trending towards. So that's why I would pick RJ Barrett, but you're not going to go wrong by picking Job Morant as well because he is, like I said, he's a generational talent. Yeah, when I watch RJ Barrett highlights, the one thing that always stands out to me is like that guy finds a way to get the ball to the rim. Like mm-hmm. whatever it takes, changing his body midair, making decisions before he gets to the basket. Like he's just a guy that, um, in the same way that Donovan Mitchell has been doing it in Utah. Like it's like, how did that guy? There were three guys in between him and the rim. Somehow he still got to the basket. I think you're right. I think that's a big indicator of of somebody's sort of future star potential. Is do they find a way to get to the basket no matter what? Yeah, and that and you know what? When in the NBA, if you're looking at these playoffs. I mean, how many times have you seen a guy just go to the rim and there's four guys around him and somehow the ball ends up in the net? That, that is, those are those plays you see on SportsCenter. That's the plays that Scott Van Pettel talk about on late night. You know, those are the things that you see over and over. It's not necessarily just someone who can, you know, hit the mid-range jumper, which is also important. But the way to create, the way to get by in the NBA is to make your shot. The way to be successful in the NBA is to create your own shot. And that's what RJ Barrett can do. One more Zion question, and then I want to do sort of two future predictor questions before we get out of here. And thanks so much again for joining us, uh, uh, Donald Wine. He is uh, one one third, right? You got three hosts on the Duke Basketball Report, right? That is correct. The Duke Basketball Report podcast. We are we are a three man unit. Uh, uh, myself, uh, Sam Klein, and Jason Evans. All right. So uh, here's the Zion question. I was reading uh, Jim Beheim, uh, coach of the Orange. Uh, was concerned that, you know, Zion, big guy, dominated college basketball partly because of his size and strength. You know, once he gets to the NBA, he's going to be dealing with a lot of players uh, that have that same size and strength. Beheim voicing his uh, uh, just sort of, I guess, uh, you know, thinking maybe that uh, Zion uh, wouldn't be as effective in the NBA. Uh, what say you to that? Like, what is, what is Zion going to do when he when he faces guys uh, that aren't, you know, half his size? Well, you know, I think he's forgetting one, the one other aspect of his game that was very dominant last year, and that's his quickness. Uh, yes, he's big. Yes, he's strong. But nobody was as quick as him. Nobody. And, and that, that I don't care how big or small that person was in the court. Zion was the quickest person on any basketball court he stepped on, and that was a major part of why he was such a mythical figure uh, of sorts in college basketball, because he had the size and the strength and was still that quick, he was able to make a lot of things happen that made you just stand up and go, how did, the, how did anybody do that? Not, no one was saying, hey, who's doing this? Who's 285? That was, one of a, that was more of an afterthought in the end. It was more about how quick was he, his motor and his tenacity of trying to get the basket and to will his team and just to be that guy who can will a team to victory and just by his mere presence, that was what made him great. And I think that is all always going to translate to any level of basketball and in the NBA that quickness is going to get him a lot of points that's a great point and whenever I read things like that I'm always like yeah but they can get bigger right like they're they're, that's the thing like they're going to get into these you know professional environments with these you know million dollar training staffs and then they're going to hire their own training staff and they're just going to get bigger. Like I look at pictures of LeBron when he got into the league and Dwight Howard when he got into the league and right. it's like, "Oh, they got bigger somehow." 
<laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, if you think about it right now, people compare Zion's body now to LeBron James now. And LeBron James now was that the LeBron James that entered the NBA. So right. he's going to get stronger. He's going to get bigger. He might even grow an inch or two. Like, the, like all of these measurables that we were talking about earlier, all of those can change. And, but it's also going to make, mean that a Zion Williamson now is going to be a much better Zion Williamson 5, 10, 15 years from now. All right, so I'm going to put you on the spot here, Donald. You are you are host of the Duke Basketball Report, so I'm going to make you make some predictions here. Uh, which of these Duke prospects improves the most over the course of their NBA career? Improves the most, I'm going to go camp. Uh, and I think that's because, like I said, if his shot can improve and he can become one of those you know, 3 and D guys and can be a guy that can, you know, get you 20 points, but also can get you four or five threes. That's where the NBA is headed towards. That's what NBA is looking for. And if he can improve from what he did this year, he is going to have the biggest trajectory, which is why, despite what some people would say would be an inconsistent freshman year, he's still think thought of as a freshman or as a lottery pick, uh, an easy lottery pick. So I, I think he has the most upside and I think his career, he can improve the most. And which of these players ends up being the best pro and why? Ooh, that is, you're making me choose between children now. Um, I, I think in the end, it's going to be Zion because I think that Zion, when he came in, he, his talent is a measure of his work ethic, his, his, his ability to get better. And, and I think him and RJ Barrett are going to have incredible careers. I think in the end, and, and I, I reserve the right to be wrong, um, but I think Zion becomes a Hall of Famer. I, I think that is the trajectory that he's on. And, and I don't think it's any, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that he could go down as one of the better players in the history of the NBA. So uh, that is where I think he's going. And I, I think RJ is going to be right there with him, but I feel like in the end it's going to be Zion that's going to have the better career. Fellow podcaster, Donald wine. He is one third of the Duke basketball report podcast, Duke basketball report.com. Is that the URL? It is. Yes. And on Twitter, you can find us at, at DBRSBN. Um, you can find us for everything. We, we are 160 episodes deep. Uh, please come check us out. Yeah, I listened to the podcast in preparation for this. They do an amazing job over there. So if you are into ACC basketball and to Duke basketball, give them a listen. Donald, thanks so much for the time and the expert info. We really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Thanks again for joining us here on the Locked on Hornets podcast. There you go, Doug. So in your conversation with Donald Wine about the Duke trifecta that we've been talking about, it seems like you have the gold, the silver, and the bronze medalist of the recruits that came in this season. And RJ was the number one overall guy with Zion being number two. That certainly flipped. Zion had a season that we'll never forget for the rest of our lives, having watched that guy play live. Cam Reddish a little bit different. Just overall, what did you think of your time talking with Donald Wine? Uh, you know, he's an extremely knowledgeable guy. Again, go out and, and listen to that podcast. But the, the big thing that I wanted to know from him was sort of the inside scoop on why Zion did jump RJ. And I think you heard it there that, you know, the skills that Zion possessed, I think, surprised or the level that those skills were uh, developed uh, surprised a lot of people because you knew he had size, you knew he had strength, but that quickness and that and, and some of the vision not necessarily passing vision, but just court vision in general to put himself in the right position and get to the rim and transition surprised a lot of people. And so, yeah, I mean, it's obvious that Zion is going to be a huge star in this league. The other thing for me is that uh, how RJ responded to Zion not being on the floor 
and how it really cemented his the, the role that people already thought he could achieve, which is sort of floor general, you know, commander, somebody that's going to take, uh, you know, 20, 22 shots uh, a game for a bad team and, and play really well. And so that's exciting, too. Yeah, R.J. Barrett, I like. I know there are some things that are considered weaknesses from him. I, I get all of that. I like R.J. Barrett. At number two overall, I'm selecting him over John Morant. That's who I'm taking. I think he is going to be a good basketball player. And I do think while Duke wasn't winning, he actually was playing pretty well when Zion Williamson wasn't out there on the court. So I don't, I don't think that was any fault of R.J. Barrett. Cam Reddish, a little bit of a different story, Doug. His I'm scared of Cam. God-awful. I mean, his efficiency was god-awful. And in fact, I tweeted this out, I think about maybe a couple months ago. Cam Johnson for North Carolina had the season that Cam Reddish, or Reddish wished he had, yeah. that everybody else wished he had. Yeah. You're expecting what Cam Johnson did out of Cam Reddish, and it was just awful pretty much all season long. We got two games where Cam Reddish maybe would step up in big moments, and and it just, that was about it. Like, there were a couple big moments that he stepped up, which maybe gives you a little bit more confidence, but there's not a whole lot after watching what he did this year. No, didn't shoot the basketball well, disappeared at times, seemed a little psychologically fragile at times, it didn't, it didn't know what to do on the court at times, and to me, that's everything that I don't want the Hornets to take in the draft. Like I really want them to take someone that has the confidence, the aggressiveness that you heard uh, on yesterday's show that Jackson Hayes possesses. Like that's the one thing that he possesses is just freak athletic ability and then supreme confidence. That's the kind of player I want the Hornets to take, not Cam Reddish. Yeah, it, out of all the players we talked about today, Cam Reddish is the one that does not have the physicalness and does not have the aggressiveness. Zion, RJ, Jackson Hayes, Brandon Clark, all the other guys we talked about, there's a mean streak there. Zion, and we've seen it on display. Zion, and it doesn't Zion, matter Zion, because we're only going to take Zion Williamson Zion, anyway, and Zion, he will be in a Charlotte Hornets uniform. Zion, Thanks for listening Zion, to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to our us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, the Himalaya Podcast app, wherever you get your podcast, just search Locked On Zion because that's what we're going to change our name to tomorrow. Stay tuned. It's going to be a good one. Ah!